Now, my pleasure to uh, give the floor to my former colleague at FAO, Luca Rusa, and my current colleague in the Food Security Information Network. Uh, Luca is a senior strategic advisor on resilience, and he's also a driving force of the steering committee for the FSIM. And uh, Luca will introduce the main findings of the report. Luca. Yeah, it may be a difficult because many of the things I wanted to say have already been said, which, which in a sense is positive because that means that the finding of the global report have already been taken up at, at, at the decision-making level, so it's, it's a positive thing. Uh, I'm presenting these things on behalf of the 12 partners of the global report, so it's not an FAO presentation, and I will just dwell on a few of the slides that, are, that we, are, we are going to present. So we already mentioned the importance of this global report to, to inform the, particularly this gray area which goes between the humanitarian and, and, and development and the fact that the consensus-based report is fundamental to uh, create that consensus for, for, for responses, coordinated responses to this. We have 12 partners now. We are nine last year. In the first, first ed edition of the global report, there were only three. It was WFP, uh, EU, and, uh, and, um, and FAO. So, that show the growing in the partnership of the global report. Now, when we talk of food crisis, I think it's important that we understand what we mean by this, what this means for the people that we, that we, we are talking about. So for the global report, we use the, the IPC scale, which is a scale that goes from one to five. And we are really concentrating, let's say, from the scale, from when we give the number is from, from phase three to phase five. And if you look at, at what this means for people, it means essentially three things. First of all, uh, reduce access to food. The second point is uh, uh, um, malnutrition, child malnutrition that is, is higher than, 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 than the norm. And then the third one is the depletion of uh, livelihood, and, uh, livelihood assets. And this is gradually increasing in terms of severity. When you are in phase three, there is still the possibility to reverse back the, the situation. When you are already in phase four, there is, there is some of the, of the, of the, for instance, of the level asset stripping are already reversible. So the important to intervene as early as possible. And then when you are, uh, go, you are in phase four or, or, or phase five, you have already excess mortality. So when we talk of a famine, there are already people that are dying when they are, we are in phase four. What is a famine, just to, that to, to bring all of us on the same page? In order to declare a famine, as the one we declare in, in, in part of South Sudan, there are three criteria that need to be, made, to, to be met. The food shortage, that should be at least 20% of the population. Acute malnutrition, we have at least 30% of children uh, suffering from acute malnutrition, and then increased mortality, twice the, 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 the norm. The, the last, the last, the graph that you see here is the Somalia, the Somalia history of 2011. Um, you see, when the famine was declared in July 2011, and then there was the massive reaction from, from, from the international community, as you can see, already a lot of people had died. So uh, at, in that time, the, the international community intervened really, really too late. And this is just to say that, I mean, the declaration of a famine is, is an acknowledgement of uh, a collective failure. We have heard about the number. Uh, just let me tell you a couple of things about the number. When we talk of food crisis, uh, our focus is on countries which are, we think, because of a number of uh, issues, that they have been facing food crisis. 
So it's not the whole universe, and even in the country that we are talking about, we are not covering the, um, the whole country. Sometimes we are just looking at some area. So when we talk of 124 million people, we talk of a universe of about 950 million people. So we are not talking of the whole world, but we are talking of a specific group of, of, of population. The increase is about 11% uh, compared to last year, and the drivers have already been mentioned, the, the, the conflict and the climate shock have been particularly severe in, in uh, 2017, and these are, these are the consequences of the, of the situation. These are some numbers about, about uh, conflict and food insecurity. We think that 74 million people are, uh, facing acute food insecurity are living in those countries that we mentioned, uh, countries affected by conflict, 11 are in Africa, four in the, in the Middle East. Uh, and we are talking of 60% of the total, which is very much in line also with some analysis on, 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 on chronic food insecurity ma made by, by the SOFI in the SOFI report. You see the number? I mean, the, the most c serious crisis at the moment is Yemen, with 17 million people under uh, food <laughs> facing food severe food crisis, and which is 60% of the population. But you see that there are several other countries where the prevalence is extremely, extremely high, for instance, South Sudan. Climate. Climate is, it was, and the drought, this is much more an Africa phenomenon. Out of the 39 million people that we estimate to be uh, acutely food insecure because of the drought, 35 million are from Africa. The drought that, that hit Africa last year was particularly, particularly severe. And the, here you see the number. In this case, the, the highest number is Ethiopia. We always try to do this classification, but it's very often we are a mix of things. So. It's not only conflicts, it's not only drought, it's always a mix. But we, we are trying to, to find out what are the, what are the main drivers. Now, the ambassador mentioned the, the issues of displacement. That is a, an important, very important thing. So these are the numbers of people that are displaced in the country we are, we are interested in. And, and, and these are the number of, of, of consequences and policy implications that we might discuss later during the, during the, during, during the panel. Let me show just one slide, which I think is interesting, and uh, particularly on the issues of humanitarian development nexus, is the slides that illustrate what happened in the four countries that uh, last year were declared under um, at risk of famine by the UN Secretary General. As you can see, there was uh, quite a quite important humanitarian response to these four crises. Uh, just to give you a figure, the, uh, the humanitarian need were 2.9 million U, uh, dollars, uh, billion dollars in uh, five years ago, and last year they were 6.1 billion. And uh, as you can see, the, 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 there was a substantial increase of humanitarian assistance, and famine was averted. So we did not have another Somalia, which were, I think was a, a very important success. At the same time, the number of people on the verge of famine have increased. They were 20, uh, 27 million in 2016, and now they are 32 million. That is 5 million more. So that means that something needs, needs to be done that goes beyond the purely humanitarian system, but the need of working on political solution as well as working on rural livelihoods and supporting rural livelihoods. Uh, this is just to give you an idea. There was, there was the, the issues of the protracted crisis. Look at how the situation in South, in South Sudan has evolved in, in, the, in, the, in the course of the last five years, how the things has 
progressed. It, it, was, it was something which was essentially in, in a small area in, 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 in the northern part of the, of, the, of the country, and slowly, slowly, it has expanded to most, most of the country. As you, as you can see, lo look at the, at the situation, how it has evolved. So this crisis become more and more complex. Look at, at September uh, 2017, and complex. And this requires very a number of uh, articulated responses. This is a slide just to tell you that we were talking of four, four crises uh, last year, but at the same time there are new crises coming on. One, this one is the one on, uh, on Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, regions which were not in the map, in the IPC map last year, now they're on the map, like Katangi, uh, like, like the Kasai and the Katanga, which were, and, and with a substantial increase of the number of people food institute, that means that we need really to be watchful on what we do and, and how we, we monitor crisis. I am almost at the end of my, pre of my presentation. This is uh, the, pro the forecast for next year. And uh, as you can see, uh, we are not very optimistic about next year because the, the conflict in the Middle East and in part of Africa will continue. Uh, issues about displacement <coughs> and violence will continue, particularly in, 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 in Asia. Drought is expected in, in, in the Sahel, in part, of, in part of East Africa. Political instability is expected in the Sahel again. And all this uh, makes us not to be very optimistic for next year. And you see there this uh, this uh, uh, map which indicates countries which are gray, in the sense we really think that in this country there are substantial food security problems, but we don't have enough data to make a call. And this is something that we really need to address. Venezuela, Eritrea, Korea. These are countries that we really need to, to look at and be very watchful because most probably if we include this country in, 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 our, in our equation, the number will be much higher. Thank you very much.